Hello and welcome to Standing Out Horsham. I'm Emma. And I'm Anna. And if you're a regular listener, you'll realise it's been a little while since we recorded an episode. Yeah, we've had a little break over the summer and have been getting back into the usual routine of work and settling our children into the new school year. And we've also been arranging some interesting new episodes. Well, we think they're interesting anyway. Uh, And kicking us off is someone we've been keen to talk to for quite a while now. Yes, her name is Hannah Stewart and she makes bronze sculptures and statues. And if you're not familiar with Hannah's work already, I would really recommend that you take a look at her website before listening to this episode. Just search for sculptor Hannah Stewart and you'll find her. You might have actually already seen her work in local spots, um, including the St Leonard's Forest Dragon, that's in the maze in Horsham Park. She's also created a memorial to the poet Shelley, which is on display at Collier's Sixth Form College, and as the Iguanodon in Lintot Square in Southwater. She's also carried out several private and public commissions for people around the UK and further afield, including the first ever statue of a female footballer, Lily Parr, who was a trailblazer for women's football in the early 20th century, now on display in the National Football Museum in Manchester. And also on the football theme, one of Hannah's most recent works is the completion of a life-size bronze statue of Danny Begara, who is the former manager at Stockport County Supporters Cooperative, which is now installed outside the football club. These are just a couple of examples, though, of Hannah's work. Um, She's done a lot, lot more. Uh, So we went to visit her in her studio to find out more. Hi, Hannah. We're sitting here in your studio in in Horsham. It's just fascinating to have a look around and see all your drawings and some of your sculptures as well. Um, Thanks (laughs) thanks for having us. It's lovely to have you here. Yeah, so we thought um, just be good to start by talking about some of the, the work you've done that's on display around in Horsham. Can you tell us about some of the pieces that people might have seen while they're out and about? Yeah, well, I think um, the one that most families or people mention to me is the, the dragon in the middle of the maze in Horsham Park. Uh, the other one that perhaps people may have seen is the dinosaur in Lintot Square in Southwater, just south of Horsham. Right. There's also a portrait bust of... Um, a cricketer in the cricket pavilion at Christ Hospital. There's another dinosaur locally, there's another iguanodon, um, this time in Cookfield in a new play area there. And um, most recently I've just completed a, a large relief celebrating the local poet Shelley for Collier's Sixth Form College. Oh, wow. And um, the dragon, for instance, how, how long have these statues or sculptures been? Oh, the dragon was commissioned to celebrate the millennium. So the maze, that whole area that the dragon sits in, was all designed and built at the time of the millennium. And the planting and the dragon celebrate local legends. Mm. We talked about the the St. Leonard's dragon in our Halloween episode last year. Yeah. Creatures that come through the forest. Actually, how did that one come about? Yeah, there's a committee... Well, there was a committee called um, Horsham in Bloom, and they wanted to create a maze to celebrate the millennium and to celebrate local legends. So there is this wonderful legend of the St Leonard's Forest dragon, so they wanted a dragon to sit in the centre of the maze and then the flower beds all around the maze each celebrate different things to do with Sussex. I think um, one of them is to do with fairy stories and it's meant to be a sort of fairy-themed garden. Um, one of them is to do with uh, Sussex by the sea and I think they've, create, they've created a, a groin and gravel and seaside planting um, 
And then there's the dragon's lair, which has some dragon's eggs in it, which I made as well. Oh, so there's oh, three yes. dragon's eggs that, I'm, Where is that, that I made. In the park? Yeah, so as you oh. go in the maze, um, it's on the left. My children used to, like, we were always there in, when they were younger. And, um, yeah, it would always be... We, we, I spent a lot of time looking at the dragon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the eggs yeah. and everything. So. Yeah, I've heard some lovely stories. So some, somebody told me that they photograph themselves and their children in front of the dragon every year so they can see how their children have grown, oh, which is really, a good idea. really nice. And, yeah, and quite often I get people sending me photographs of them and their families next to the dragon or um, they tell me that they've named the dragon... Um, and uh, they enjoy feeding it. It's often got gravel and things oh, really? in its mouth. Yeah, because I think they used, the children pick up things and yeah, pop it oh, in its mouth. Yeah. So I was just thinking before we go, um, of course you can go and see the actual statues if you're in Horsham, but if not, go and have a look on your website to see what you're actually doing because it's quite just when you talk about sculpture, you tend to think that it's maybe something quite small that you can just sit on a shelf, but you may. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, we're joined yeah. by Hannah's dog. It's very cute. Yeah, and I was going to say that you actually make sculptures, yes, but also big statues. Yes, yeah, some things have been quite quite large. Yeah, the largest but, one I made was the iguanodon for Southwater. Actually, that's three meters long. So that was oh, wow. yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And how long did that take to to create? Um, oh, I can't remember now. Um, I think the whole project probably spanned a year, including the mould being made and it being cast into bronze. That was a big, long project. Wow. Yeah. And um, you, your work's not limited to Horsham at all, is it? You've, no. you've done, it's gone into international, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, tell us about some of the places where your work's been. Um, well, one of the first things that I made for um, outside of the country was a portrait head for Fiji. And then after that, I was commissioned to make a sculpture for the London Oratory School, and that was of Mary and Jesus. And after that had been seen by the school's community, um, I was commissioned to make two subsequent casts of the same sculpture that flew to Australia. One went to Melbourne and one went to Perth. Well, in fact, one went by air and one went by boat. Oh, no. <laughs> it was quite, quite yeah. interesting. So there's two life-size Two life-size figures that I had to organise to be uh, transported to Australia and installed remotely. How much does a life-size statue like that weigh? Um, They're actually quite similar to an adult, really. Jesus was shown at age 16, so it's not not a baby Jesus. Um, They were each about 75 kilos, so Mm. Yeah, like a person. Heavy. But they're, they're hollow. Bronzes are, large bronzes are cast hollow because mm. otherwise the bronze doesn't flow properly. All right. Yes. You're going to have to talk us through the actual process of making these statues. But first of all, could you perhaps maybe tell us how did you actually become a sculptor? Where did it all start? Um, I don't really know why, but I've just always wanted to make sculpture I mean, from a child. That was, I was very single-minded. That was always what I wanted to do. Um, when I was at primary school, I was just desperate for any opportunity to make something out of some sort of 3D material. So I did loads of paper mache. Um, mm. I remember one summer holidays making these quite large uh, paper mache um, sculptures of the Wind in the Willows characters. Mm. And then my um, teacher at the time f- found out about this and uh, I ended up going in and demonstrating to the class how I'd made them. And then we all made Wind in the Willows. <laughs> Oh, wow. you <laughs> yeah, and then we did some work with Doe as well, and yeah, and then all through secondary school, I was just always looking through the, for the opportunity to do something in three dimensions. I was interested in two D art as well, but not as much as the three D stuff. Mm. Uh, 
so as soon as any other material came my way, like clay or plaster, I sort of jumped on it. So you went on to study art? or After A-level, um, the normal route is to do a foundation art course. But when I went and looked around the foundation courses, I wasn't really very excited about what was going on because there was at that time there was a lot of work that was just being made by assembling objects using found objects and it was all very conceptual based whereas I really was focused on, <laughs> on wanting to make make things um, so I ended up doing a course in conservation and restoration because that was the only course I could find where I felt that I was being taught skills so I got a chance to do some wood carving gilding a bit of metal work yeah it was just far more skills based really mm. and it was, it was sort of showing me the traditional skills that I was after and then you're now mainly working in bronze right um well really yes my work always ends up being cast into bronze but I'm what I actually work in is clay so I'm modeling clay and then um because I'm modeling clay over an armature it can't be fired a mold always needs to be made and then it has to be cast into a different material mm. um, and generally that's bronze so talk us through so you you craft the sculpture in clay and then you pour bronze over you have to make um, <laughs> you have to make a mold so i make a sculpture in clay and then normally now the foundry make the mold and cast it so i'll either take the sculpture to the foundry and then they'll make a mold by pouring silicon rubber over the sculpture and then covering it with um, resin and fiberglass to make a jacket that supports the silicon rubber. Because the silicon rubber is floppy. The rubber picks up all the detail of the sculpture, but it doesn't have any rigidity to it. So oh. you can peel it off, yeah. but it, it flops around. So you then need a resin jacket to give it some structure. Um, then wax is painted into that mould and a hollow wax cast is made of the sculpture. I then go to the foundry and check the wax, check that it looks exactly like mm. my clay original. Um, sometimes I might do a little bit of work on it. Uh, then another mould is made around the wax. The wax is put in a kiln and burnt out, it all runs out. And then the bronze is poured into that mould. Right, okay. And for larger sculptures, they're cast in sections. So mm. then you might end up with all these different pieces of bronze, which then have to be welded together and there'll be little things called runners and risers, which are where the bronze port was left over from where the bronze ran into the mould and where the air escaped. So they have to be cut off. And so it's each each part of the um, casting process is a skilled job in itself. Actually, you get mould makers, wax workers, metal workers, yeah, um, and chasers who clean up the bronze. And then finally, it's patinated, which is where the bronze is treated with a chemical to give it a uniform colour. I, I okay. And these other professionals, are they local or do you have to travel far away or is everyone sort of in the area? Um, they're quite local. I use um, a foundry called Millwin, which is quite close to Hampton Court, that sort of area. And is it easy to source the materials for, for bronze? Where do you I get don't that? know actually where they get the bronze from, but I, mean, I, reuse, I reuse the clay. I've got big bins uh, in my shed full of clay which have been used over and over again. Mm. So when I'm... Um, once I've made a sculpture, I normally let it dry out completely, and then because because it's easier to break it up once it's dried out, and then I sort of brush it up with a hammer and um, put the clay in my bins and soak it down with water, and I can reuse it, oh. reuse it all. Does it feel does it feel strange? All the work you've done, and then. <laughs> 
bashing um, it apart. It's kind of liberating in a way because I, 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 no, I don't normally break up my clays until I know the sculpture has been successfully cast. So what happens is I feel like the clay original is no longer the sculpture, mm. but it's the mould that suddenly becomes a really precious part. Yeah. But for, for somebody else, that clay figure is probably beautiful and could probably <laughs> nice on a shelf and the thing is you can't keep it because all the time I'm working on the sculpture I have to keep spraying it with water oh, okay. to keep it damp and then I wrap it up every evening with wet rags and plastic right. um, and even when the mold is made it's still wet clay mm, um, and then if you let it dry out it does start to crack because it's modelled over the top of an armature so it, mm. it pulls away oh, and contracts right. away from the metal yes, armature and how long does it take then generally is there an average time that it would take from the beginning to the finished uh, article it's hard to say because the projects are all different but I suppose generally between maybe 50 and 100 and maybe 50 and 200 hours or something mm. <laughs> something like like that but that's just sort of pure concentrated sculpting as opposed to emails and meeting people and yes, that sort of that thing. Have to add. Yeah, I mean, normally spend a few me. months on a sculpture, two or three months, quite often the time gets spread out over two or three months. I'm just still curious about how did you decide to go from just normal clay sculptures or maybe a more conventional <laughs> material, how did you decide to do bronze? Um, it seems so unusual. It doesn't. <laughs> or maybe it's not. Well, yeah, in some ways it it isn't. I suppose there's two ways of working in clay. You're either a ceramicist where you fire the clay, but that's another discipline and skill in itself. Um, if you make clay sculptures that are fired, then you have to they have to be hollow. The clay has to have no impurities in it. You mustn't get any cracks in it or air in it. I think you have to be very very careful, otherwise it can break in the kiln. Um, and I was never taught that way mm. of, mod- of modelling. Um, But for the sort of work that I do, like portrait busts, life-size figures, animals, um, and the sort of scale that I do, it's it's a normal process to model over an armature and then to make a mould and and cast into bronze. The the other material that maybe people use is bronze resin, which is a less expensive material to use instead of bronze. And you said that you've always wanted to do um, sculpt 3D. Have you got anybody else in your family? Is there, do you come from no. a family no? <laughs> no one's that, well no one's actually an artist but I would say they are all, that's not quite true actually, my sister's very, yeah she, she's an artist. But um, they all have a particular way of looking at the world I think where they appreciate visual mm. things, they're tuned in to um, the world around them in the way of a visual artist I think they could easily have been artists Mines. perhaps yeah. <laughs> where do you get your inspiration from for you, you know you look at do you look at things in a certain way do you think that would make a great sculpture I do a bit but for I suppose probably the last 15-20 years I've only been doing commissions pretty much so yes it's different to creating my own body of work I'm always making what people ask me to make so uh, I might look, I might pick up on different ways of approaching maybe a portrait bust mm. or a life-size figure or capturing someone's pet, but um, it is all commissioned work. So I'm, it's more about trying to understand and interpret my client's wishes, really. Yeah. Do they choose you for your... Do you have a particular style? Would you say you have a particular style? Or is, is it just completely led by what the client wants? Yes, I think there is quite a consistency with my work. If you look at my website, it's all very representational um, I think people choose me because they hope that it will be 
<laughs> it will fit. It will. It will be similar to the other work on my on my website. Uh, but it's trying to understand exactly what it is somebody is after. Like when I did the sculpture of Mary and Jesus, for example, for the London Oratory School, um, that I had lots of conversations with the head about exactly how Mary and Jesus should be portrayed because. He wanted to use the sculpture to teach the students at his school and he wanted the wider school community to relate to it. So, for example, he wanted Mary to look quite contemporary. He definitely didn't want her to have a veil on her head. He wanted mothers at the school to to relate to her as a fellow mother. Um, And equally for Jesus to to be... um, for the 16-year-old boys at his school to relate, be more likely to relate to Jesus. Mm. We did have a bit of a joke because Jesus ended up with hair that was actually longer than the school regulation length, so there was a little (laughs) discrepancy there. But um, the main thing was that he wanted there to be contact between Mary and Jesus, but Mary couldn't look like she was pushing Jesus away or encouraging him to go forward into his future and she also couldn't look like she was holding him back Mm. so the contact had to be worked out quite carefully and in the end we decided that the best way was for Jesus to just have his fingertips very lightly on his mother's shoulder so he was sort of reassuring her Mm. that he was going to be okay (laughs) and yeah no I imagine that is that was that one of the hardest pieces of work you've you worked on I imagine with the connotations with with those icons that are so yeah I did feel like I had to be very aware that I didn't make some terrible faux pas yeah yeah (laughs) and I think also like because Jesus was shown at 16 I couldn't have them both standing because they could be interpreted as a couple because Mm. Mary actually was really quite young sort of early 30s so Mm. they could easily just look like a couple so we ended up with Mary seated and Jesus standing Mary looking up to Jesus sort of with faith and devotion but has her hands clasped with the sort of slight apprehension of a mother worrying what lies ahead for her son um, whereas he's looking out sort of to the future and beyond kind of kind of yeah. it's going to be alright yeah. sorry remind us where is this statue again oh sorry it's at the London Oratory School in Fulham okay yeah and also two of these went to Australia so there's one in Melbourne and one in Perth but oh, they're the, the same, the same exactly the, the same the same yeah. statue alright yeah. and how big are they they're life size figures mm. so it's two yeah two life size figures with Mary sitting on a bench so um, yeah two life size figures with a bench and a large plinth <laughs> and we can see these on your website they're on my website yeah, yeah. each one actually is slightly different because um, each school chose a different base and a different type of um, bench right and you seem like a very calm person but right? does it do you feel the pressure where does it does yeah. the pressure build up especially with something so big as, as those I do really sculptures. feel the pressure certainly with some of the sculptures quite often I get asked to make sculptures of animals who have died and I have also been asked to make sculptures of people who have died and, and that's really hard I've, I recently did two portraits actually um, on both occasions the, the husband had lost his wife and they each wanted a portrait bust of their wife and that's really daunting because mm. they obviously each knew their wife really really well <laughs> and over a long period of time and they understood the whole character of that particular person whereas mm. I was just being given a handful of photographs uh, so yeah both those commissions I've, I felt tremendous responsibility mm. but equally people are so attached to their pets actually mm. it feels like there's a big responsibility with yeah. those commissions but that's nice it's also re- rewarding because uh, 
people obviously get a lot of comfort from yes mm, yeah from these pieces a big deal for them isn't it and yeah yes yeah, that's nice to be part of so you said with the with the mary and jesus statue that there was a, a long dialogue mm. to really understand that you were on the same same page is that always the case or do you just sort of have a discussion in the beginning and then you just do your work or? Uh, it, it varies a bit but i do try and have uh, an ongoing discussion to you know greater or lesser extent depending on what what the commission is um, I try to avoid the big reveal stage. Um, it's far better to make sure that you're on the right track from mm, the beginning, I, yeah. I think. So, so I'll have an initial conversation. Sometimes I'll do a drawing um, to confirm the pose, or sometimes it's based on a particular photograph mm. or series of photographs. Um, then I'll start work, and then I'll send photographs of the clay as I work and ask for client feedback as I go, yeah. just to make sure I'm on the, on the right track. Quite recent, well, at the beginning of this year, um, I made a life-size sculpture of um, Danny Bagara, former football manager for Stockport County Football Club. And um, with that sculpture, I was involved with his family, because Danny Bagara is no longer alive. I was, I was involved with his um, children and his wife and Stockport County fans and the commissioning group, as well as sending photographs and as well as them coming to visit my studio to see the clay. We had loads of Zoom calls where we would, you know, sit and chat mm. about. Do you think his hair should be actually be a bit curlier? Maybe. Mm. <laughs> what about what shoes did he wear? Did he like these trainers? <laughs> we just, um, yeah, yeah, keep discussing it as I went, and I made you know various changes. Oh, sounds like quite a lot of stakeholders involved as well. Is that does that present a challenge in itself? I think potentially it could be really complicated, <laughs> but it, it worked really well. Yeah. It did work really well, and. Um, yeah, of course, they were different things because you had the family who had an emotional, personal connection, mm. whereas he would have, I suppose, presented as different persona yeah. to the to the fans and the club. So it was trying to make sure everybody was happy and mm. felt that their Danny was represented. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I've had really good feedback, so I think it worked. <laughs> is there a um, sculpture, is there a piece of work that you're most proud of? Or is that a difficult question? It's a really difficult <laughs> question, <laughs> but... I'm proud of different ones for different reasons. Like the three meter long dinosaur for South Water was great because that was the biggest thing I'd ever done. So that was really just exciting to work on that yeah. scale. But then, equally, I get that, that picture of the chain maker mm. that's on the wall. You were looking at that. Earlier. Yes. Um, that was actually quite small, and that was interesting because I'm not used to working under life size. Quite often, I work life size or over, but. Mm. How big was this? Is a, can you talk us through what, what really? Yes, it's, oh, yeah. so it's <laughs> stunning. He's a Victorian metal worker. It's quarter life size. It's a standing man holding a big chain. He would have been somebody who made chains. And that was commissioned by a family who have a whole history of chain makers in their family. Um, and they wanted to celebrate that personal heritage. So, in fact, on each chain link are engraved the names of each generation each family member and their dates of I think their dates of when they were alive but yeah it's very detailed and um yeah I was very pleased with with that because it was a different scale to not to the scale that I'm used mm. to working on but then there's sculptures that have a huge emotional content for people and that feels really wonderful because mm. you feel like you've perhaps helped them in yes. some way yeah and this particular statue with a with a chain, the man with a chain is so that's in in a private home somewhere. Yes, yeah, that's a private commission. I I love it. I think it's mm. it's got so many details on the man and yeah. 
Go and look on Hannah's Thank website. <laughs> so what, what is a typical client? Um, actually, what always fascinates me is although they are, they do vary in terms of where they come from, whether they're private individuals or members of an organisation, a public or business organisation, they all end up having something very in common because they're all really personally invested mm-hmm. in, the, in the project. Um, and quite often they haven't commissioned anything before and so they're not sure about the process, they're interested to understand it. And they're very, they're very excited about it and interested in seeing what, what I make. Would you say that you work more with, with private customers or more with sort of institutions and universities and companies? Or um, I'm inclined to say probably more private commissions, but I'm, I'm not sure. I might be proved wrong if I look it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite an even mix, probably. How is your competition then? It seems like, again, it's such an unusual profession, but maybe it's not. How many of you are there, do you know? I don't know. No. Uh, <laughs> there are probably more of us than... Than you realise. I suppose it's just a slightly hidden profession. You only sort of come across sculptors when when you start googling them and searching yeah. for them. Um, it is. I mean, it is an un- unusual, unusual job. Not for you, obviously. But um, what would your typical day look like? Uh, I suppose it does vary quite a bit. But nevertheless, I suppose there's a bit of a consistency. Um, at the moment, I try and start my day by doing a little bit of drawing. It might only be sort of 20 minutes or something, but just for myself. Um, and then I pretend to do a few emails, <laughs> respond to some inquiries and do some quotes or follow up any conversations that are going on. But most of the day is, is working, is, I mean sculpting working. Which is nice. Yes, I am probably freer from the computer and the desk yeah, than most people. Yeah, most I'd say large number of jobs are desk based now, aren't yeah. they? So, um, and do you have to be physically fit to do your job, or doesn't matter? Probably not, especially. I mean, sometimes I mean, maybe with the larger, the larger jobs, uh, the clay is quite heavy. So yeah, move maybe moving the clay around. When you start a large sculpture, it's quite physical, adding the clay onto the armature, mm. because you're handling quite a lot of clay and you have to sometimes hit it into shape but then as the sculpture progresses you move away from this creating the general forms into the specific and it becomes more sedentary I suppose. So yeah we we touched upon it but you you do draw the room we're sitting in your studio is full of live drawings it's amazing but do you do what other art do you do apart from sculpture? Um, I have done a few drawing commissions but um, it's mainly sculpture I, I do really enjoy life drawing and I've yeah, started running a few, well I've started inviting a model here and, and doing quite a bit of life drawing at, at home. Um, but it's a good way of trying to improve my understanding of the human body and, and anatomy um, and it's quite a contrast to the sculptures because it's quicker whereas the sculptures I'm always you know, spending weeks or months on. So um, I enjoy that, that, that side of it, the fact that you can be learning a few different things at a faster pace and whizzing through a few different poses. It's just fascinating to sit here and look at everything you've done. Yeah. Do you know how many sculptures you've you've done? No. <laughs> don't no, keep I, a don't know. I don't know. I mean I could work it out. I could go back and you know, go through the commissions I've done I suppose, but no I don't know. No. 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 So if somebody wants to um, what if yeah, what are the rewards and challenges, I guess? That's what I'm trying to ask with your profession, and is it something that you would recommend others? Is, is it an e- easy... 
I don't think it's easy to get established in. I think that that can be quite tricky. But it's definitely very rewarding and full of challenges. I mean, I, I like the fact that I never know what I'm going to be asked to do. It could be any kind of animal, any kind of pose. You know, it's exciting trying to understand suddenly, oh, what, on earth, what is the anatomy of a penguin? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what, what did iguanodon dinosaurs look like? And, yeah. You know, I don't know, what, what's a dragon? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's very little yes. reference material. We, mm. What did our dragon look like in St. Leonard's Forest? I like those sorts of challenges. I like the fact that I'm suddenly researching something I never thought about. The mm-hmm. fact that I suddenly got to find out all about Stockport County Football Club and, you know, was suddenly watching a game and now really keen to know how they're doing. And <laughs> yes, it must take you off in sort of different avenues of, yeah. of life, of finding out different people's passions. and That's it, and that's lovely sharing, sharing in that. And it fascinates me that people and communities still turn to sculpture for, I suppose, to, to validate things, to celebrate things, and mm-hmm. uh, to offer support. I, I like the fact that it is so important, something that has, people have done for, for centuries. A bronze statue or sculpture is not something that you can just throw away or destroy easily. It will stay. It will stay, but of course people really care about it, which mm. I think is, is wonderful. I did a sculpture for... Oh, my dog again. <laughs> I, did a, I did a sculpture for um, a new Tesco's that was being built at Hailsham. And um, it was of a, a rope maker, because on the site where the new Tesco's was built used to be a factory where rope was made. And I think it was a planning requirement that they celebrated the heritage of rope making. Um, and when the sculpture was being installed, quite a lot of people just came up to me who were passing by and were asking, oh, what, what's this? What, what's this sculpture of? Why, why are you putting this here? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, oh, it's the rope maker because there used to be a rope making factory here. And so many people said, oh, my dad worked there. My uncle oh, worked mm. there. And I was able to say, oh, well, then this is your dad. This is your uncle. Mm. And they were really excited by that. And it was really interesting seeing how important it was to the local community and yeah um yeah they also really made the right choice they're choosing to celebrate it yeah. <laughs> yes. making. yeah yeah it's nice that they it has such a legacy and you're helping to prolong that giving people an insight to history but looking back at history and something that was of importance mm. must be nice yeah. to be a part of that yeah yeah i do i like that i really like that about it great i mean we talked about um Anna mentioned your website and you have all your work on there. Is that where people can go if they want to find out more about you and, and about your work? Yes, that's What's the best place. Most of my work is, is on there. I'm also on Instagram, but I'm not, I'm not brilliant at updating it. I'm getting better, but <laughs> I'm not a natural poster. Send us um, the address of, of your website. HannahStewartSculpture.com HannahStewartSculpture.com Check it out. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's been, uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Learned so much about things we see around everywhere, and you know, it's, it's, I have a greater appreciation of, of the work that goes into it. Oh, it's been lovely talking to yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Sounding Out Horsham. We are so thankful for all the feedback we've had, and to those of you who keep listening and who subscribe, you make it worthwhile. Yes, yeah, so and now we want to ask you something. If you enjoy our podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could spread the word and tell other people all about it or by liking us on social media and sharing our posts. 
We've met so many fascinating individuals since we started Sounding Out Horsham, and we'd love it if more people in the community could hear their stories. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Sounding Out Horsham. And of course, don't hesitate to get in touch.